schuurman. So it's S and then G. Yes. Yes? It's like you have to eat a pound of cheese before you can say it. I think so. Schuurman. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sort of. everyone. This is the Johanna Improv Podcast and my name is Laura Doorneweert. I'm an improviser from Amsterdam, the Netherlands, and often when I travel for improv, I meet other international improvisers and the conversations I had with them were often so interesting that I wanted to share that. So I'm doing that now by interviewing these people and sharing it with you on this podcast. And the first interview I did was with Tim Orr from San Francisco. I had a blast doing that interview. That was so much fun. And so I was looking very much forward to the second one. This is with Matt Sherman. Uh, He is the new artistic director of Rapid Fire Theatre that is in Edmonton, Canada. And in this interview, we cover different subjects, including how he became the new artistic director of Rapid Fire Theatre, how his background as a video designer influenced his improv, the different formats for shows that he made, his work with children, and a whole lot more. It is uh, very worth your time. Um, the only thing I want to say up front is that the sound quality is not that great in places. Uh, that is because we did the interview on Skype. So bear with me. It, uh, like I said, it's very much worth your time. And the different groups he mentions and the resources, you can find them in the notes on my website. And my website is www.lauradoorneweert.com slash podcast. And my name is spelled L-A-U-R-A-D-O-O-R-N-E-W-E-E-R-D.com slash podcast. It's a very Dutch name, so I hope you can find it or at least find my name in uh, this audio file and you can find all the different resources that he mentions in the notes. For now, I wish you a lot of fun with Matt Sherman. Welcome to this interview, Matt Schuman, as I would say it in Dutch, uh, yeah. but I think most yeah. Americans would say Sherman, right? That's right, yeah. In fact, uh, you pronounce it properly, and I don't. <laughs> Can you pronounce it properly in the Dutch way? No, I can't. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, uh, maybe if you say it again. Schuurman. So it's S and then G. Yeah. Yes? It's like you have to eat a pound of cheese before you can say it. I think so, German. yeah. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, oh, yeah, that's also the thing. I'm Dutch, so I'm very uh, direct and honest when it comes to things like this. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Matt, I know, you know, most people, uh, at least in the, the area I come from, um, they probably haven't heard of you. Maybe they've heard of Rapid Fire Theatre. So could you mm-hmm. introduce yourself a little bit? Um, what do you do? If someone would ask that, what do you do? Yeah, sure. Um, 
Well, uh, as you said, my name is Matt Schimmel, Uh and I, uh, I'm the new artistic director of Rapid Fire Theatre, uh, which is an improv company in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. <coughs> um, personally, I uh, have been improvising for about t uh, 13 years, and I've been with Rapid Fire Theatre for about eight or nine of those years. Um, yeah, I've been a performer in the ensemble for, for quite some time. I've been an instructor, um, and, uh, for people of all ages from three years old to 80 years old. And, um, yeah, as of, um, uh, as of right now, uh, we're in a bit of a transition period at our company from our previous artistic director, which was Amy Shostak, uh, over to me. Uh, as the new artistic director, and that transition will be complete in a couple of weeks. Great, right? And so, how? Mm -hmm. Why does it take longer that transition? Why is that a, a period of time? Well, it does. It doesn't necessarily um, have to take that uh, amount of time. Certainly, when Amy transitioned, and it was much quicker than that. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, I think we just gave ourselves plenty of time to make sure the transition was nice and smooth, um, and just to hand everything off, and um, we're in our summer right now, so we take both the July and August off, um, where we aren't doing our weekly shows. Um, we still participate in festivals and conferences and things like that, but um, as far as our weekly programming with the company goes, that's uh, on a bit of a break until September. So it's a nice time of year for us to um, to make that switch. Oh, right. Um, how does I'm wondering because uh, normally I would ask. So, what does your your work consist of, or how does your week look like? Can you compare that, like mm -hmm. before and after uh, getting this job? Um. Sure. Yeah. I mean, just like my everyday yeah. life, just what yeah. it is to be me. All right. Well. Yes. Um, so in my last job, I was, uh, working for an organization that, um, uh, facilitated the performing arts, uh, industry within the province of Alberta, where we live. And, um, yeah, so I, big part of that was running an annual conference. So I was be spending a lot of my, uh, days going into an office and working on this arts conference. Um, and then part-time in my evenings and uh, on weekends, I would be performing with Rapid Fire Theatre or teaching with Rapid Fire Theatre or doing gigs um, in some way or another with the company. Um, so now, um, the, I guess the difference is uh, I still am there for all of our weekly shows. I'm still doing performances. And I'm still teaching. Uh, but uh, now my administrative time is spent... Um, running the uh, artistic side of things for Rapid Fire, which encompasses a very wide variety of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, from uh, running festivals to um, casting decisions to um, working with um, funders and sponsors, uh, administrative stuff like that, um, to uh, marketing, um, the professional development of the ensemble, you name it. <clears throat> Wow, that's a, it's a, a big pile of tasks uh, that's uh, on your plate, I suppose. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I, I now understand the transition period a little better, if it's, if it's that much, yeah. That's right, yeah. 
Um, so the um, um, the the work you've been doing with uh, Rapid Fire Theatre, you've been a senior ensemble member for how long? Um, I don't actually know. I'd say about five years. Four, five years, I guess. Yeah. Four years, maybe. I don't know. What's the, what's the group like to, be, um, yeah. to work with? What's the yeah? So we have a, a third company. Our performing ensemble is about forty to fifty people at any given time, <coughs> and we we have a tiered company. So we have three tiers to the company. There's a rookie tier, um, there's a junior player tier, and there's a senior player tier. Um, the rookies are our newest performers. Um, people audition to get into the company, and when they uh, successfully audition, they um, they join that rookie tier, um, and uh, they do a lot of the workshops with the ensemble. They get to um, do opener spots in our shows and participate in our festivals as well. Um, and then our junior tier, uh, once you're promoted from the rookie tier to the junior tier, um, that's where you get a lot more stage time. Uh, we do a weekly theater sports show, so they'll often be playing in the first half of that theater sports show. Uh, we also do a weekly long-form show, and they'll usually have one troupe that they're bringing to that, uh, that long-form show. Long-form show is called Chimprov. Um, and then our senior tier um, is... Uh, considered the professional tier of the ensemble. Um, those are the people that uh, would be headlining all of our shows. Our theater sports shows split into two halves. So we have um, that first half, which is the junior players, and then the second half after the intermission would be all those senior performers. Um, in our long-form show, those senior performers would also be in the headlining spots. So we would show a few troops in each night, and the headliner of each show would be performed by senior improvisers. It's also the same people that you would see um, if you were to take a workshop with Rapid Fire Theater. Those would be the people that would be teaching the workshops. Uh, they would also be um, the people you would see going at the festivals. So internationally, if you think of Rapid Fire Theater as a face you saw at a festival or a conference or something, it would be one of those people. Right, right. Are there a lot of people that yeah. want to get in Rapid Fire Theater? Is it a popular place to be? It is a popular place to be. We have a, a interesting, um, uh, I guess, improv culture in Edmonton, <clears throat> where in a lot of, uh, certainly a lot of Canadian uh, large cities, um, you get a lot of different improv companies, um, all in the same city, all about the same size. Um, but as far as Edmonton goes, we are certainly the biggest improv company, uh, not the only improv company, um, but we're the longest running and, um, uh, yeah, if people, um, if people want to do improv in Edmonton, chances are they're coming to rapid fire theater first. Um, we've been going into our 35th season now this year. Um, so we've been around for a while <clears throat> and yeah, there's a bunch of other, uh, companies that went, uh, in Edmonton as well. We have a lot of crossover between those companies, but most of them are quite smaller and newer as well. There's uh, also an improvised soap opera in Edmonton called Dynasty, uh, which is quite legendary as well. They often go to Europe. Um, and, uh, and we have a lot of crossover in our ensemble of players with us and players with, with uh, Dynasty as well. Right. Because I think that's actually, when I, would look, when I looked it up, that uh, Petty Styles was the artistic director and is also somehow involved with the soap opera as well, right? 
That's right. Yeah. And uh, once a year, as the kind of their fundraiser, the uh, dynasty does a Sopathon. Um, and the time changes years to years, but usually it's about three, two or three consecutive days of soap opera. So all like 24 hours a day around the clock. And uh, the core cast of improvisers, most of them do the entire thing, um, which is insane. Uh, but they also flesh out the, that ensemble with other performers because there's no way you can sustain it uh, with just a few people. So um, a bunch of rapid-fire theater performers tend to drop in on that, uh, as well as international guests. And, and um, Dynasty has a really great re relationship with the soaps in London, so they uh, trade people quite often. And, uh, yeah, we have um, uh, performers who have been in rapid fire all across the globe, uh, who like to come back um, for both uh, our festivals, for the Sopathon at Dynasty as well. Patty, at one point, was artistic director of Rapid Fire Theatre, um, and she comes back to Edmonton often. Um, Jacob Bannigan was also a artistic director with Rapid Fire Theatre, who now lives in, um, in Graz. Um, and he comes back often. In fact, he's in town right now for our Fringe Festival. So, uh -huh. um, yeah, we see people coming and going all the time. Oh, that's fun. Because I, I really like the, the format of the three, de uh, three days Sopathon. Are there any shows or formats you play or have played in that you really like? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, we, have a we have a few opportunities for... Um, different forms within rapid fire theater. Uh, probably the most notable is our long form show. Um, uh, again, called Chimprov, and that's our Saturday night show. Um, and that's where our ensemble comes together, and they prepare a troupe. Um, and you know, the troupe could be anywhere from two to eight people, um, and they will work on a craft. They will craft a long form show. Um, quite often, it's based on a familiar form that everybody knows, like a, like a Herald or an Armando or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's the place for that. We also have a festival uh, called the Bonfire Festival, and that happens every year in April. And that's a experimental long-form festival, again, for our performing ensemble, um, where we try and come up with new ideas and the craziest, most experimental improv ideas that we can make. And it's kind of a laboratory to, to try that stuff out. So sometimes um, stuff comes out of there and gets legs after that festival. We might see it performing at our Chimprov or sending to other festivals. Um, I myself have uh, done a few forms over the years with, with Chimprov and with, um, with the Bonfire Festival as well. Um, there's one that I'm involved in right now with uh, two of my colleagues from, from RFT. Uh, Joe Vanderhelm and Paul Blinov. It's a show called Sneak Peek. The venue we perform in right now in uh, our home is the Citadel Theater in Edmonton, which is a large regional theater. Uh, and the venue within the Citadel Theater complex that we use uh, is actually a, a movie theater. Um, so there's a huge cinema screen on our stage. And um, a lot of our troops actually now are finding ways to utilize this cinema screen, which is, which is really fun. Uh, so the show that we do is called Sneak Peek. And the three of us, we come to the show uh, and we come prepared with a, um, each of us selects a movie trailer, a teaser trailer for an actual upcoming Hollywood movie. Uh, and we don't tell each other what movie we've selected. 
so we, we, we surprise each other. And then at the top of our show, uh, we play all three trailers back-to-back for the audience, uh, and that's when we discover right then in front of the audience what are the other trailers the other performers have brought. Then the audience votes on their favorite trailer. They, they pick the, the one that's their favorite. And then based on the content of that trailer alone, we perform the long form of what we think the movie will be when it comes out. Awesome. And it's a lot of fun to do. We've done about six shows now, six or seven shows. And uh, we've done, we did Jurassic World, uh, which was a lot of fun. We did, um, uh, oh, we've done some weird um, B movies. There's one called Zombievers that was about zombie beavers um, <laughs> that uh, I don't think no one ever saw the movie, but our version was pretty fun to do. Yeah, so. Um, Why is that so that. Sorry. I've also created one. Again, that uses the uh, the cinema screen. Um, uh, it's called uh, Nightmare, where um, I pre-record a uh, a video, and this is based on. There's a, a board game that came out like in the '80s or '90s called Nightmare, the video board game, um, where you would play this board game and you would put a um, a videotape in in your VCR, and, and this like uh, face would pop up on the screen and like yell things at you. Uh, while you were playing the game. And it would always be, like, uh, based on the game. It was like, you know, move back ten spaces or whatever. And it was, it was supposed to be scary. <clears throat> so I adapted that to an improv show where the players come on stage and they try and do just, like, a simple two-narrative uh, long form. But this pre-recorded video, and so far every version has been me in, like, Halloween makeup, uh, is playing on the screen behind them and it's it's pre-recorded, so it's like a 45-minute tape, and it, it isn't paused, it doesn't stop, it just plays through. And so as they're performing, every now and then my face will pop up and, and like, yell things at them. And it'll be improv challenges. So think of, like, short-form games tied into this long form. And it's just, uh, yeah, little hoops that they have to jump through. And as the show goes on, the frequency increases and the intensity in the games get more difficult. And that's a lot of fun. Uh, for me to, to watch <laughs> uh, when it's happening. So, it be, I like that one. Yeah, that, that is a fun one. Because did they, they have to uh, pause their narrative and play the game or put the game in their story? That's right. Um, so they, they have to try and incorporate it. So, um, you know, I've done stuff like maybe an accent roller coaster where they have to continue doing on their scene but um, they now suddenly they're playing an accent roller coaster on top of whatever it was they were doing before. Um, there's been challenges where someone has to leave the theater and find a prop of some kind um, and then come back, run back into the theater and incorporate it into the show while the show is still going on. Um, there's been, oh, they have to go into the audience and get props. There's, there's like uh, interpretive dance. There's songs. It's, it's oh fun! Oh, I, I imagine how much fun it must be to do that uh-huh. for forty five minutes to have that to to record that. Yeah, usually by the end of the show, it's it just it falls into insanity, right. which is fun. Um, because you were um, video is actually uh, you're doing more stuff with video, right? Because you're uh, a designer in both graphics and video. 
Yeah, that's right. I, so uh, in addition to all this improv that I do, mm-hmm. um, I have a degree in video design. And I work primarily uh, in theater, or at least before uh, this job with Rapid Fire, I work primarily in theater as a video designer for live scripted theater. Uh, and so a lot of video backdrops and stuff like that. And yeah, I've found a few ways to incorporate that skill set into improv. And I really like uh, when we can make that happen. What, what Especially because a lot of it... Sorry. Um, so it's a degree in animation. So that's um, where it all kind of started from. I was involved in theater before my animation degree. Um, and... Uh, uh, always had a passion for theater, and then I thought I would become an animator, maybe work in movies or video games or something, but I, I could never quite get theater out of my head. And this was around the time when using video projection in theater was becoming really popular, and there weren't a lot of people in Edmonton doing it. So I, um, yeah, I, I started playing with it and um, started doing a bunch of shows, anything from just like video backdrops, so just scenery for a show, um, just part of the set design. I've also done um, integrated designs where the actors are uh, interacting with the video. Um, I've also even done shows where some of the characters are animated characters that interact with um, with the live actors as well. So, yeah, that's that's been something I've been doing for about 10 years um, just as a professional theater designer. Um, but, yeah, finding ways where it can be incorporated into improv is difficult but uh a lot of fun when it when it can happen too yeah and are there when you do that uh when we when you were trained for that work do you see how the skills you have in there not just uh are like combined with improv but how a skill transfers into improv uh that's a good question um Oh, man. Uh, I think, well, they come from very different places, I think. Um, video is is so much prep work. Um, yeah, it, it's this weird thing. And in fact, even video in theater it kind of uh, sticks out a little bit. Um, because um, where a lighting designer can come into a space and start just you know they have, they have their lights hung and they start interacting with lights and making new offers as a video designer you can't really just come in and unless you're doing interactive stuff if you're doing any kind of animated or or pre-recorded or designed material you can't just be really making offers on the fly you you have to go away and and build this repertoire and come in with like hours and hours of work as your offers and and contribute that and then if it's If it's no good, if it doesn't work, you got to scratch it and go back to the drawing board. It's um, it's a lot less flexible than than improv can be. I think so. Um, that being said, uh, a lot of the projects I have worked on have had substantial workshop periods, um, where it is all about making offers and um, and trying things out, whether it's with a choreographer, or director, or with the actors. Um, in ways, or a musician, or whatever, and seeing ways that you can uh, work off of each other. Just like any other element in theater, I think 
whether it's video design or, or, or set design or lighting or uh, choreography or direction or, or performing, um, it all it all looks the best, it, it all works the best when it's complementing the other elements. No one element should stand out on its own, which I think that's perhaps the most thing that resonates with improv is that it's that whole idea of making each other look good is that if you're, you're working together, there's no, you know, uh, there's no rock star, no one element that should outshine the rest. They should all complement each other. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that uh, the entire, I don't know, like visual approach you had for 10 years in that work helps in your improv? Do you have a, an image of the stage or I don't know, have you seen more worlds? Do you think that helps? Uh, that's, that's a fun way of putting it. Seeing more worlds. Yeah. I would say my, uh, like performatively when I perform, I do have a more cinematic approach to things. Um, certainly through my narration, I like talking about, uh, the scenery and talking about the picture and describing visual elements. Um, I like showing stuff too, but um, yeah, uh, I, I do have a real cinematic approach because I think that's how I see things. I see, um, I see things as kind of a, a storyboard um, setting. So you know, talking about the big, the wide shot of the the environment, and then focusing in on on all the specific elements. Um, and, you know, and whittling your way down to characters or specific moments. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that idea of, of the cinematic imagery and using broad strokes and then getting smaller and smaller. Ah. That really resonates for me. Yeah, yeah. So do you, how would you describe your style of improv if you compare it to, uh, so apparently more cinematic, but what are the other things you would say you bring to the stage? Great. Um, I think, well, if I could talk generally, uh, Rapid Fire Theatre as a company has a bit of a reputation for being um, uh, very verbally dexterous uh, and being very quick and witty. And I think a lot of that is because when our company started, we started as a theatre sports company for years and years and years. It was just a theatre sports company. Um, and, uh, and the company has evolved from that. Um, but that's kind of always been at the core of what we do. And, and theater sports to this day is still our big flagship show. So, um, yeah, a lot of our performers are, are very fast on their feet, um, uh, very uh, uh, quick with their wit. Um, that being said, there's a lot of different skill sets within the company as well. We have some who are, are remarkable movers. We have some who are uh, fantastic at, uh, at vocal work, uh, singing as well. We have, a, we have an improvised musical that our company does. Um, we have people who are just joke machines <laughs> and can crank out the jokes faster than, uh, than anything you've seen. Um, personally, um, I, I think I just reiterate what I, what I said is that, uh, I have a more, uh, scenic approach to, to my improv. It's all about, um, environment and, and, and scene, or at least that's where I like to, to start things. Um, I also have a very, um, calm presence on stage, I think. Yeah. I think I agree. I've seen you in one show. Uh, I think you were mm -hmm. pretty solid in in sort of staying there. Very grounded. Yes, I think so. 
Yeah, yeah. that was, was a fun show in Milan that I saw. I don't remember the format. Yes, at Mexico. Yeah. Oh, Gorilla. It was a Gorilla show, right? Yeah, that's, yeah that's I played in a gorilla. That was actually the first gorilla I've ever performed in. Oh, but it's it's such it's a, a Johnstone format, and I believe that Reptile Theatre is one of the first to play theatre sports. You would expect uh, the other Johnstone formats to be present there as well. Yeah, yeah, we. I know that's it's a, a bit of an anomaly that way. Um, we we do theatre sports, and we've been doing theatre sports for thirty five years. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've, as far as I know, we've never done a gorilla um, within our own season. Anything more than maybe it's been done years and years ago as a, as a one-off, but I, I know, know nothing about that. Um, we have, just last season, we incorporated Maestro into our uh, series as well. We do a monthly Maestro show. Um, and, uh, and we had played with maestros um, previously, but this is kind of the first, or last year was the first year that we um, really committed to performing that one as well. So those are the two Johnstonian formats that we do. But yeah, we don't, uh, we haven't really touched Gorilla. We, we don't do much of the life game either. Um, we've done shows based on it, but we don't, we don't do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Rapid Fire Theater has a bit of a reputation too for... Um, being the company that messes with the Johnstone formats too. We aren't, um, we aren't, I guess, purist about, uh, about the forms. Um, our, our theater sports show is, um, it's a Danish match. Um, it's, uh, only three scenes per, uh, per team. Um, we don't often use judges. Um, we uh, we have a big uh, oversized red spongy die that sits on our stage, and that's how points are awarded. So the team that that wins the audience favor gets to roll this big enormous die for points, um, which is a departure from the from the judges. Um, that being said, we do use judges sometimes. Sometimes we use audience judges. Certainly for our theater sports tournament at our uh, international festival in Provaganza, we. Um, we use uh, judges, so. Right. Uh, but yeah, we, we like uh, mixing it up every now and then. And there's no, we don't have a hard set way that is the rapid fire way to do it. But we are certainly open to uh, messing with things and changing things up every now and then. Right. Oh, fun! Is there um? So uh-huh. the the rapid fire comes then a little bit from uh, uh, Keith Johnstone. Um, for you personally, do you have a? Yeah. Uh, um, an inspiration or a mentor or someone that you think is really inspiring in terms of improv? <laughs> um, I don't think I could pick any one person. Um, my, my history with both rapid fire and, and elsewhere, um, I've had the privilege of working with so many people, um, both uh, internationally and all guests that we get to host at Rapid Fire, uh, as well as traveling throughout Canada and the States. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's no way I could pick any one person. Um, uh, And there's, oh man, there's so many schools (laughs) of thought out there too. Um, And I I love picking from, from everything. Um, there's, uh, I, I, I could start with, uh, <laughs> uh, people from rapid fire. Um, 
that when I when I first got started uh, as a as a young improviser, um, the people that I really looked up to were, of course, people within Edmonton um, from Rapid Fire. Um, one of our fellows, uh, uh, Mark Meir, is um, is quite well known, and, and I always looked up to him, as well as uh, many of our past artistic directors, both Patty Styles, Jacob Banigan, Chris Craddock, um, Amy Shostak, Kevin Galise, um, are all people that I've looked up to over the years. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many people across Canada that come from all different, uh, uh, walks. Uh, a good friend of mine out in Vancouver, a fellow by the name of Alistair Cook, is, um, is, uh, very involved in the, uh, instruction of improv, and, uh, I really admire him. Um, perhaps my favorite troupe in Canada that I like to see perform is the Sufferettes out of Toronto. That's um, Kayla Lorette and Becky Johnson. Or Becky Johnson. Um, yeah, and we, we've had them out to our Improvaganza a number of times, and they're an absolute blast. Awesome. Great. And so that's yes. a very long-winded yes. response. Well, that's good. I guess that's good that you don't have one person you always trust and follow, but then take and pick from whoever inspires yeah, you. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to be the next um, anybody. I'm not trying to replicate anybody. And I don't think any improviser should try and base everything they do on, on someone else. Certainly there's people we can look up to, but I think um, we all need to be our own improvisers and, um, and see what else is out there and draw from what inspires us and, and use that to create um, create ourselves as our own improvisers. Mm-hmm. That's well said. I think so. Thank mm, you. Yeah. Uh, talking about quotes, do you do you often do you have a quote or a motto or something that maybe one of those amazing improvisers said that you like to cite? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I think one of the things that I always come back to. Uh, when I'm directing an ensemble or, or giving notes is that, um, or teaching a class is that everything we do should be fun. Uh, it should all come from a place of fun and we should find the fun. And one of my favorite quotes, um, and I'm probably going to credit it wrong. Um, one of my favorite quotes is if you're not having fun, you're the asshole. Um, and my friend Amy Shostak would always say that, and I believe the quote comes from, um, oh gosh, comes from someone in Chicago. Uh, yeah, one of the ladies in Chicago, and I, I can't remember who. Okay. But yeah, it, 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 I, I love that quote. If you're not having fun, you're the asshole. Yeah. Um, um, because you need to find the things that... Uh, that are fun for you on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's very true. <laughs> that's that's where it all starts, probably with improv. Susan Messing. It was Susan Messing. Ah, yes, that's a yeah. big name. Yes, good. All right, she's good. She's very nice. She's great. Yeah. yeah. Never seen her. Uh, only on YouTube. That's the only way I can. Uh, Get all the uh, all the names I hear and see what they're about. If they put it on YouTube. Yeah, she. Uh, we had her at Improvaganza 
last year, I believe. Uh, and I was able to do a workshop with her. And it was fantastic. Ooh. Oh, that's one mm -hmm. other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Because you taught a workshop uh, in Milan, where we met, um, about teaching improv for children. And I wonder, also because I'm also teaching a lot for children and teenagers. Um, yeah. Uh, I often say that I they're teaching me so much about play yeah. and improv. And I wonder if... If you feel that too, and if so, what do they teach you? What do you feel they're, you, you're learning from children and teenagers? Yeah, um, I, I would totally echo that sentiment that um, when you're teaching, I think when you're teaching anybody, um, they're teaching you as much as you're teaching them. Um, but yeah, I've spent a lot of my time teaching, teaching young kids, uh, teenagers mostly. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think when I started teaching teenagers, um, uh, it was like my growth as an improviser just started climbing way faster than it ever had before. I don't know if I could actually pinpoint how or why, um, I think a lot of it comes from looking, when you're looking critically at other people's improvisation, um, you start seeing things that you didn't before, and um, then you can start looking critically at what it is that, that you're doing. Um, and you can kind of coach, you start thinking as a coach, and you start coaching yourself just as much as you coach your students. And, and I think you can, that really flexes that, that critique muscle and, um, and that helps you grow. Um, some of the stuff I've seen with young, um, with young students uh, has absolutely surprised me. And, and that, I think, for me, is the most rewarding, um, rewarding part. I've seen kids come into class who are, who are total... Um, uh, total introverts, uh, you know, they'll walk into class and won't even raise their eyes off the ground. And within six weeks, they'll be the biggest, loudest kid in the room. And, and I think just giving students that permission to play um, takes this whole weight off their shoulders. Um, and it's like, oh, it's a space where we're allowed to, to screw up or we're allowed to take risks or we're allowed to just have fun. I think just giving them that permission to have fun opens this whole this whole world, um, which is is so inspiring to see. Especially, I think teenagers they come from this place um, where they you know they're currently in school. They're in an education system that's all about um, all about grades and all about um, getting things right. Uh, they're also, you know, they're going through puberty, so they're uh, getting all self-conscious and they're second-guessing themselves all the time and they're, they're trying to be cool. Um, and that childlike sense of play is, is starting to get suppressed. Um, and if you can give them this opportunity to, to take these risks and, and, and be allowed to screw up and, and not have it matter... Uh, and still have that childlike sense of play. I think it's such a gift um, for them, and and what comes back from it is really rewarding, really <laughs> encouraging stuff. 
Do, do you have an example of a, a, a great or good moment uh, teaching for children or seeing them perform? Uh, yeah, I have so many. There's the first that comes to mind. Uh, probably it, it's um, it's uh, recent. Um, <clears throat> there, in one of my classes, uh, I have a student who has uh, Tourette's syndrome, um, and uh, I, it was the first time I've ever taught someone um, with Tourette's, and she is a brilliant uh, improviser. Um, but she is susceptible to these uh, to these attacks. Um, but she has never, not once, in the two years that I've been teaching her, she has never had an episode while improvising. And I, I'm not a scientist or a doctor. I, I don't know why that is. I could take guesses, but um, there's something there that uh, speaks to the power of improv, um, in that, and she does have quite frequent attacks. Like in any given class, she will have an attack at least once. Uh, sometimes they're really bad. Sometimes they're, they're just, uh, they're minor, but yeah, never while improvising. And I think it's something about engaging the brain, um, in that the, the brain is just, uh, you know, when it's tied to impulse and it's focused on that, it can't, it can't do any of the stuff that, that triggers an attack. Um, yeah, I yeah. think there could be an entire thesis written on this. Um, and I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did the other kids in the class uh, react to that or cope with that? Or do they observe that as well? Uh, yeah, um, I think with, with any kind of uh, thing like that, uh, there just needs to be uh, understanding in the class of, of how we all deal with it. And um, and I think that always comes from a place of the, the person. They need to, um, as instructors, we need to facilitate that safe environment where, um, uh, where the students are comfortable talking about these things and just uh, putting that out there. <clears throat> and and making it comfortable for for the other um, students. Uh, much more common than that in a lot of my classes, um, I get a lot of kids with attention deficit disorders. Um, um, mostly, I think because these kids tend to be the class clowns in their school settings. And their parents see this program for, for improv and they're like, oh, well, you love acting up and being silly in class, so here's the great class for you. And then I end up getting this class that's all class clowns. Uh, and none of them have any um, attention spans. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, but, again, I think if, if you go back to a place where you give these kids permission to play and, and you make it fun for them, if they're constantly looking for the fun... Um, in a respectful uh, environment, then you have a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just a way of yeah. harnessing that energy. Yeah. Were you, uh, how were you as a teenager? Were you already doing improv then? I started as a teenager, yeah. Uh, in my late teens, when I was about 16 or 17. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I was, um, I was very well behaved as a teenager. I was uh, like a grade A student. 
Um, I was in all the honors classes. Um, I never got into trouble. I was probably pretty boring. Did a lot of theater. Um, I was like a, a total textbook theater nerd. Um, but uh, I've always had a little bit of ADD myself, too. I, I get easily distracted. Or not distracted. My mind wanders. Um, so if I'm in a, in a class or something, um, you know, I'll snap out of a daydream and be like, oh, where have I been for the last 30 minutes? Um, so that's, uh, that's something I, that resonates with me too. Yeah. And for, cause I was also the, the type of a grade A uh, kind of student, um, which mm-hmm. actually, cause I started a little later about 22, but I felt that because I was such a goody goody, I found improv pretty hard to first like let go of control and make mistakes yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Or, or you want to play by the rules. Yeah. And I think the best improvisers are the ones who know the rules but can abandon them and, and break them and mess with them at the drop of a hat. Um, so, And I've seen that too with students. Like You can train them in all the techniques and they may be the most like technically uh, apt improviser you, you've ever seen, but they could also be the most boring improviser you've ever seen because they don't look for that fun and they're not looking to mess with it. They're not looking to, to, to break the model. They're just looking to do it right. Um, and you know, by any improv book, you, you know, they, they're doing all the right things, but it's just not engaging because they're not having fun. Yeah. Is that something you have to look for, for yourself or do you always have fun? Um, I mean, Within our ensemble, uh, we're such a tight ensemble that I, I, the people I perform with are some of my closest best friends. Um, so being on stage with them is always a joy. Um, that being said, there are times where we're in weird environments where you know things aren't as fun, and you can always kind of step out of yourself for a second, and be like, "Oh, why is this not going well?" or, or "Why does why does this suck?" And like, "Oh, wait, we're not having fun." And then I think if you just reset that, you you find the fun, and then then mm. it gets better. You got enough people mm-hmm. around you to make sure you keep having fun. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, we're um, slowly going towards the end, so I got a, a couple short questions for you. Um, one of them okay. would be: uh, How does your um, warm up look like? So you go on the stage. What do you do before a show? Yeah, um, we <laughs> in our okay. I'll, I'll paint the whole scene. So in our space again, it's a movie theater where we regularly perform, um, which means there's no proper backstage area. There's no dressing room. There's no crossover. There's no uh, green room or anything like that. So before every show, our ensemble gathers in a concrete stairwell just uh, off the side of the theater. So we have a tiny storage room that's like eight feet by eight feet where we store all of our stuff. And we just gather in this area, in this like back hallway stairwell. Uh, and it's all just brick and concrete and steel. Uh, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so picture 30 people crammed into this space um, with fluorescent lights and, and loud reverberating noise. Uh, so picture 30 people crammed into there, 
playing, uh, I mean, any kind of, uh, you name it, any, any improv warm-up that we can think of. Um, so a, a favorite at Rapid Fire is the game Woosh. Uh, we also do a lot of word associating um, or, um, yeah, uh, just a lot of, like, big group circle games, a lot of things that make noise. So now picture uh, the three tiers of the company all in their own little circles playing their own uh, energy share games all in this same chamber, all competing for uh, for volume, and it's just this cacophonous, weird, ritualistic explosion of, of sound. That, that's our warm-up. Right, right. Uh, um, and that yes. takes for about five minutes until you go mad, or a little longer? Yeah, yeah, until like uh, until the stage manager walks in and, and tries to get everybody to be quiet and, and get on stage, so... <laughs> And um, and for you personally, like if you would uh, before, if you know you have a, a big show tonight, is there something you would do or try to do during the day? Um, yeah, it, it depends on the show. Um, um, for some shows I've done that we know it's going to be really physically demanding. Sometimes we might just go for a run um, just to like, get our heart rates up. Um, we just run laps around the building or something. Um, for other shows, uh, if it, there's, um, again, the, the one based on movies, sometimes we just get together and watch a movie. Um, uh, a lot of the time it's just, uh, there's a bar across the, uh, the hallway in the venue. Sometimes it's just going there and having a drink and talking and just connecting with them. Um, with the friends and then, you know, checking in and see what's new this week. And then we, conversation comes out of that. And then a lot of the riffing that we do in, the, in that conversation often becomes material on stage later on. Um, but that's probably the most common one is, uh, is a beer, <laughs> a beer across the hall. <laughs> or, or a lap around the building. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, uh, I uh, I understood you were a big uh, Netflix fan. Any uh, films or series you can recommend, maybe specifically for improvisers or storytellers in general? Oh man, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I my approach to uh, Netflix is just like everybody else's. <laughs> you uh, binge on something for a week. And then you're on to the next thing to binge on. Uh huh. So, what's your um, your latest one you binged? Uh, I right now I've been rewatching uh, the whole Archer series, um, because it's a nice twenty minute um, it's a nice twenty minute length, and uh, it's great for uh, when I'm working out. Um, I can keep my mind off of the workout and just watch a twenty minute show, and then when the show's done, I know I'm done my workout. Uh, so I'm using that for that, but, uh, I just, and I was actually talking with a few friends just the other day about the new series, um, uh, Wet Hot American Summer that's based on the movie. Um, and it's like kind of a prequel, but they're all much older now. Uh, and it's full, and like based on a movie that was all just quick riffs and throwaway jokes and they've like fleshed out this ridiculously elaborate uh, <laughs> a backstory for a movie that was just all throwaway one-liners uh, I think that's that's really funny oh. Ooh, that's a nice one um, 
Is there uh, any advice that you ever gotten that was good advice? Like for improv? Maybe. Maybe for life? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, it's it's really, um, it's like, one of those buzz uh, quotes that you might like hear in a graduation speech. In fact, I probably heard it in my graduation speech. Mm -hmm. But um, something that um, that kind of resonates for for my life overall is um, uh, do what you love, and the rest will follow. Um, so I've worked many jobs in, in my life. Some of them I've loved. Some of them I, I haven't. And it's always the things that really excite me, like improv, like theater, like design, um, that um, I just, I do them because I love them. And the result is I've been fortunate to create a life where that's what I get to do. Uh, and I think both my wife and I, we live by by that model. She's an artist as well. And, and you know, we may not be the richest people in the world, um, but we're we're very happy with our lifestyle. And um, yeah, I, I think. It, and again, it goes back to to finding the fun in everything you do. If you're doing what you love, um, everything else will fall into place. Well, uh, I I couldn't think and of that. Yes. That's my graduation speech. Yes, it is. Wow, it's it's such a beautiful, natural end as well. It's really great. Yeah, and it's also great not just to hear the quote, but to hear that people are saying, like, I'm doing it, I did it, and it works. And um, that mm -hmm. that's always very inspiring to hear. Yeah, I think it's one thing to, like, yeah, to hear, you know, your, your high school counselor say that to you. Um and it's another thing to actually to live it and, yeah, like you said, be living proof of, of it. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for, for being living proof, one. And uh, second, for, <laughs> this, uh, for the interview. Very nice. What are you uh, yeah. up to? What, what, what time of day is it there now? Uh, it's one in the afternoon. All right. So what the rest of your day look like? Um, well, uh, we've got the, the Fringe Festival coming up in Edmonton exactly a week from today. So I've got a, lo a lot of prep work to do for that. Um, but this evening, um, our uh, Folk Music Festival starts in Edmonton. So I'll be uh, going to the Outdoor Music Festival and spending the night sitting on a, on a ski hill and listening to music. Ah, oh, that sounds great. Well, have a lot of fun yeah. with that. Um, mm -hmm. If people want to know more about you where can they find you uh online 
They can check us out at rapidfiretheater.com. There's bios on all of our performers as well as information on our shows. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Theater Sports or you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Opacity. That's M-A-T-T-O-P-A-C-I-T-Y. Nice. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, got a lot of good stuff in there. Right. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, talk to you later. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye now.